Kia ora. I'm Damien Venuto. It's May 26th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. The Reserve Bank this week lifted the official cash rate to 5.5% as expected. But the big surprise came when Reserve Bank Governor Adrian Orr told Kiwis that his work was done and that the Reserve Bank didn't see the need to lift rates any higher. So why has the Reserve Bank suddenly changed its mind on further hikes? Are Kiwis in for a longer run of inflation? And what factors will have the biggest impact on the economy over the next 12 months? Today, on the front page, NZ Herald Wellington business editor Janae Tibshirani explains the repercussions from the latest OCR hike. Janet, the Reserve Bank has lifted the official cash rate yet again. What impact will this have on the interest rates banks are offering Kiwi homeowners? Right, so hopefully for homeowners, they won't see too much of a change. Floating rates might rise a little bit, but there shouldn't be much of a change to fixed rates. This is because the Reserve Bank lifted the OCR to 5.5%, which is what it previously said it would do. Banks had priced in um, these types of hikes, so there shouldn't be too much change to fixed rates. In fact, we might actually start seeing some of these rates come down a little bit because the Reserve Bank has signaled that 5.5 is the peak in the OCR. That's its current plan. So, you know, banks might start trying to get some more business and doing that by providing some deals on fixed mortgage rates. In terms of term deposit rates, we sometimes forget there there are savers out there as well. (laughs) The bank has said that it hopes those rates will rise a little bit more from where they're at now. In New Zealand, inflation is expected to continue to decline from its peak and with it also measures of inflation expectations. I do have to say it's very pleasing to be talking you through these statistics after a long battle. Adrian Orr did surprise the market by saying that the Reserve Bank's work was done. Why was that so unexpected? Well, I think there were two factors that economists have been looking at. Firstly, immigration has been much stronger than expected in the first few months of this year. In March, for example, we had a net gain of 12,000 people. That's a lot. You know, that's above pre-COVID levels. And if that level is sustained, we'd see, you know, exceptionally strong immigration. Most people expect that level to drop off, including the Reserve Bank, but that you know level of immigration definitely surprised economists. The second factor here was that the budget saw the government allocate more money than was expected. This is kind of an area of a lot of political debate around how expansionary or contractionary the budget was. But in essence, the numbers are larger than Grant Robertson foreshadowed in December, This is largely because of the cyclone, but even outside of that, the spending is just greater than was foreshadowed. Largely due to the combined impact of those factors, Westpac had recently revised its forecast for the OCR to hit 6%. Have there been any revisions on the revisions that banks had previously done? Yeah, look, Westpac came out really strongly with that 6% forecast. Previously, bank economists had expected a peak of 5.5% aligned with the Reserve Bank. Some of them lifted their forecast to 5.75. Westpac went all out to 6. I think now the general consensus is that, sure, the Reserve Bank might 
hold things where they are and not go higher. But the risk is generally, I think, seen to be to the upside. So they think that if there's going to be a surprise in economic conditions, it's more likely that we might see more inflation than less inflation. I think that's a general gist, but at this point, markets are still settling down. Economists are still digesting the monetary policy statement. So, you know, like everything, I feel like this is always moving and and very subject to change. How did markets respond to the OCR this week? Well, markets were really surprised by the dovish tone that the Reserve Bank had. They thought that the OCR would need to go higher than 5.5% because they expected inflation to be a little bit worse than previously expected by the Reserve Bank. So the fact the bank was quite dovish came as a bit of a shock to traders and in markets. So we saw the New Zealand dollar fall quite a bit. Swap rates fell, bond yields fell. This means that traders and financial markets are starting to price in OCR cuts. You know, they're eagerly awaiting that turning point. The Reserve Bank has now signaled we are at that turning point, so they're getting ready for some easing. I must say, it is always fascinating to watch how sort of sensitive and emotive markets are. Like, they watch all the words the Reserve Bank use, and this reaction is quite a significant one. It's a big reminder that the decision makers in the markets aren't necessarily as rational as we give them credit for. No, not quite. (laughs) (laughs) What did you make of the level of spending during the budget? Does that have the potential to increase inflation further or increase that runway of us dealing with high inflation? Yeah, look, I mean, this is a really hotly debated issue. Economics 101 would suggest that if you put more money into an economy, that spurs inflation, right? And particularly when you do that when an economy is constrained. By constrained, I mean there is not much extra capacity to absorb extra money. Like if the government allocates a whole lot of money to more infrastructure projects, we don't have a lot of unemployed people sitting there ready to do the work. So, you know, we don't have a whole lot of spare resources. So that inherently is inflationary. You know, it puts up prices. It means engineering firms and so on can lift their prices to do the work. But the argument that the government makes is that all this additional expenditure, particularly for the cyclone rebuild, isn't going into the economy all at once. You know, they make the case that that spending is going to be spread over a number of years, possibly once inflation has cooled. So if that is the case, it shouldn't be inflationary. Something else Grant Robertson will say is that, you know, you really have to look at where the money's going. Is it putting more money straight into people's pockets through transfer payments and so on? Or is it going to long-term projects? National leader Christopher Luxon recently said that the Reserve Bank and the government were out of sync. So you've got Adrian Orr pumping brakes, taking interest rates up, and you've got Grant Robertson uh, and Chris Hipkins flat to the floor on the accelerator, spending like never before. So that's the tension, and those two are out of sync, and that's just not sustainable, uh, ultimately. Does this week's announcement back that up or counter that notion? Yeah, well, that's a really interesting question, Damien. Before the Reserve Bank released its monetary policy statement, the general consensus was that the government was going in the opposite direction of the Reserve Bank. The Reserve Bank is trying to cool inflation, tighten monetary conditions. The budget was seen by some as expansionary. So even the Treasury admitted that in the following year, the year to June 2024, the budget is in fact expansionary. And thereafter, it becomes contractionary. So 
you could say, as Christopher Luxon would say, that those two things are, are working in opposite directions. But then we had the Reserve Bank come out and say, actually, we're not working in opposite directions because while the budget is expansionary in the coming year, thereafter, it's contractionary. So overall, over the forecast period, it's contractionary. So <laughs> this might be a, a matter of semantics here. And I think the Reserve Bank also acknowledges that, and it did acknowledge this, that what is the government supposed to do? We have to get this cyclone rebuild going. We can't just not spend money on on infrastructure. So in many ways, it kind of was between a rock and a hard place. If you're enjoying this episode of The Front Page brought to you by the New Zealand Herald, make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You've also written a bit about the fact that immigration is the big question mark hanging over the economy at the moment. What do estimates suggest about the number of people coming in and can we even trust those estimates given that they've been so far off in the past? Yeah, look, this really is the big uncertainty and the Reserve Bank has acknowledged this. Economists are really divided on on this issue. Can we trust the forecasts? Well, you know, can we ever trust forecasts? <laughs> The forecasters, including the Reserve Bank, the Treasury, they see a real spike in immigration now because there's all this pent-up demand. During 2020 and 2021, people couldn't really come here that easily. So anyone waiting to move to New Zealand can now suddenly do that. They're rushing in. Visa settings are quite accommodating at the moment. So they, there's a spike. But most people think that things will normalise and that spike will drop off back to pre-COVID levels. Now, these pre-COVID levels were actually still pretty high. Whether this does happen, how quickly that spike comes off is really a big question. The reason this is so important is because of its impact on inflation. The more traditional school of thought is that immigration spurs inflation. That's because anyone who comes here needs to live in a house, drive on the roads, go shopping. They put pressure on economic demand. That is inflationary. But on the other hand, at the moment, we have all these skill shortages. We need skills, we need labour, we need people to help us with the cyclone rebuild. So in many ways, on that side of things, if immigration increases the capacity in the economy, then that can cool inflation. There's that real tension between what the overall effect will be. Even the Reserve Bank said that it doesn't really know. It's still sitting on the fence. While the current economic conditions are being blamed on inflation, some economists have also started dropping the buzzword greedflation into the vernacular. A pandemic, a breakdown in the supply chain, and a war. So is that why we're seeing sky-high inflation, or is a little greed sprinkled on top? There's been a giant jump in corporate profits, essentially during the pandemic and during the recovery. Some firms are able to somewhat opportunistically raise prices in the midst of all this chaos. Ah, greedflation. Greedflation. What is greedflation and do you think it's having an influence on economic conditions right now? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. Basically, if you're a business and all the forecasts say that inflation is going to remain strong for another year or two, you're going to put your prices up preemptively, right? You're preparing for that. You're seeing your cost rise, but you're also going to hike prices. Now, the question is, are some businesses increasing prices preemptively more than they need to? Do they think inflation is going to be worse than it is? 
Or are they being opportunistic by increasing prices because they can get away with it? Everyone knows that there's inflation. They expect their flat white to cost $5, $5.50, no longer $4.50. And people are willing to pay at the moment because there is probably until recently been an excess of demand in the economy. So some people, and this is particular people on the left, are saying businesses are taking the mickey. Whether they are or aren't is categorically difficult to say. And I think it really depends on the sector. So sectors where there isn't much competition, like banking, supermarkets, insurance, airlines in New Zealand, my goodness, those prices are through the roof. I think those are the the sectors you'd need to look at. But then critics of this greedflation theory say, well, this isn't about businesses being greedy. This is literally just about a lack of competition. So they say that is where we need to look. We need to look at whether we are creating competitive markets or not. And I think that is a really, really good point. Most people will agree that that is a thing, but fixing it is tough. Looking at the current rate of inflation and the Reserve Bank's decision on the OCR, what does that mean for house prices? Have they hit the bottom yet? Well, another great uncertainty, and you know, people who write these forecasts are often wrong. House prices are coming down, and I'm not too sure where they'll bottom out. But if we have these high levels of immigration, that'll prop up house prices a wee bit. If we're seeing the peak of interest rates and mortgage rates start coming off, we'll also see a bit more heat in the in the housing market. It looks like the market is turning but that's yet to be seen. Also, the differences can vary quite a bit across regions. Like I know in areas where there was heaps of growth in Auckland and Wellington, those are the areas that have seen the greatest drops as well. Janae, looking ahead, what factor do you think will have the biggest impact on the economy in the coming year? Well, immigration is really the hot topic at the moment. And I think it's because of the uncertainty around, A, the number of people who come to New Zealand relative to the number of people who leave. You know, you have to look at that two-way street, and be the types of people who come to New Zealand. Are they, in fact, filling those skill shortages? Are they creating more capacity in the economy? And how does that look in relation to, you know, the amount of demand that they're adding to the economy? I also think immigration is really important from the government's perspective. It's allocated a lot of money towards the cyclone rebuild and recovery. But my question is whether there, again, is enough capacity in the economy to absorb all that money, enough people to actually do the rebuild. So that's where I think immigration will play a really important part. Thanks for joining us, Janae. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson and Paddy Fox with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in on Monday for another look behind the headlines.